This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. So uh, for, for, for you that don't know, let's give you a little introduction. I, I wrote down my little notes here. and uh, You sound like a, 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 a Swedish southerner. <laughs> you got yeah, the I've, been over, I've been over here since 1993 now, and uh, and uh, and then my son is going over there in, in, in Sweden this summer for a year, so right. so we'll see how that goes. Does he speak Swedish? That's the plan is for him to learn. He's taken. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a really really hard time to get him into the university because he just graduated high school last week. Right. Uh, and then wow. he's, he's taken introductory to Swedish for foreigners one and two at the local university over there. Oh, wow. So I'm hoping that 17 years of my failure can be rectified in a year. Uh, so that's kind of how it is. But the plan yeah. is for him to play juniors over there and then and then study, study a little bit. Yeah. So good deal. That'd be good we got another month until he leaves. Oh, yeah. So um, let's get started a little bit. So this is, um, uh, so I'm Jacob Dalene. With us today is uh, Steve McIntyre from Brock, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, I've known Steve for a few years. Going back, I think, when you were in Winston, I think we played in the uh, charity hockey tournament together. It was probably the first time I met you. And then I had the pleasure of taking my daughter over to your farm and got to meet the horses. And, right. and uh, she's she's 20. Uh, what is she now? She's 20, 21. Wow. Yeah. Oops. Time flies. So time flies. So um, what I thought would be cool to talk about today is your background, your experience. So why don't we, I'm going to let you to introduce yourself of who is Steve McIntyre for those who don't know. <laughs> I'm just a small town boy from small town Saskatchewan. So where is, Bro- where is Brock, Saskatchewan? And maybe for the, for, for the most listeners here, they probably don't even know where Saskatchewan is. Well, Saskatchewan is straight north of uh, North Dakota and Montana. And I mean, if you drew a line from, oh, I'm trying to think here, Oklahoma City, straight north, pretty much. Okay. And uh, and what most people probably think of is is prairie country, right? Yeah, it's it's prairie. Um, where I'm at right now, it's mostly farmland. Um, right. But where I came from yesterday, it's all it's the gra- it's the grasslands of Saskatchewan. Well, it's the great grasslands. And uh, there's a lot of prairie and a lot of uh, cows, a lot of ranching. Um, I'm kind of on the edge um, where I'm at, where, where mom and dad are at. I'm three miles actually just uh, straight west of where I grew up as a kid. So, okay. Um, but yeah, just uh, like I said, grew up farming and, and ranching, playing hockey, and we always had cows. We always had something to ride. So that's kind of how it all started. Like yeah. I said, in the wintertime, I got given a hockey stick, and and uh, in the summertime, I was we were showing horses, or or I was trying to rope something. That was my passion, probably more so than hockey, actually. Um, 
but uh yeah now i'm now i'm going up and down the road spending a lot of money on diesel fuel trying <laughs> to chase the dream of making the finals so yeah i don't know it's a it might be a distant dream or a distant uh um you know it's 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 pretty tough to do because we're we're open against them while some of the profession well professionals best in the world like literally i roped against a world champion here the other day wow so yeah it's and not just uh like a world world champion that's been doing it for quite a while and here i am you know coming off a retirement playing hockey and, and fire department to, all right now i'm going to make the switch to to rope and, and, and try to make the CCA finals. So, um, you know, driving up and down the road, uh, chasing a dream, but, uh, as long as I'm able to do it and I've got good horses underneath me and, um, uh, it's not necessarily the best financial decisions, but <laughs> fun. well, maybe there's a big payday at the end of the day there. So, well. so, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the first uh, and probably where you're most known has been as a professional hockey player. Cause for you that don't know, uh, Steve played how many, so how many years did you play professionally full-time? Um, I played for 15 years. Yeah. So, and all the way from all the way up into the NHL. And yeah. for you that don't know, Steve has got a, uh, uh, the nickname Big Mac, and you don't see what you don't see on the podcast is Steve's not a little guy. And and my first meeting with Steve was uh, I shook your hand, and you probably got the biggest dang hands I've ever sh- shaken a man's <laughs> hand. So uh, the nickname Big Mac was not just because of your size, but uh, pretty well known in the professional hockey circuit as an enforcer and uh, and one of the best, if not the most feared hockey enforcers in the NHL. Is that, I can uh, say that, or you, can you agree with that? <laughs> There's lots more tougher guys than me. I just, I just got lucky. Well, uh, you're being modest, but, but, uh, but so let's start there. Because I think that it's it's a pretty, you know, so how do you go in? When did you, so in the beginning, were you a, a, a tough guy? Were you an enforcer from the beginning? Or when did, no. when, when did you make that switch? Honestly, it was uh, the last thing, um, you know. I'm, I'm imagining like, you've always been a big guy. I've always been a big guy. I've always been head and shoulders above my teammates, uh, you know, especially when we were growing up. Um, but I just wanted to play hockey and, yeah. uh, you know, I never, I went to the Saskatoon blade training camp and, you know, they said, Hey, you know, of course I wasn't scared or shy of, you know, the rough stuff. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, but it would never was really in my repertoire. Uh, I was, you know, known for pretty hard shooting defensemen back in my, my minor hockey days. And, and that's kind of where it evolved. And then, uh, you know, the blades got a hold of me and they kind of wanted to see if, you know, if I could handle myself. And I think and I did bl- all right. The, the blades were in, in what, uh, was that and, junior? Yeah, it was in the WHL Western Hockey League. That okay. was my first camp. And, 
<clears throat> so there was a few times I got into a little bit of an altercation and, you know, I did all right. I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but I was like, I just, it was kind of one of them things I had to get my foot in the door and I don't know if I was really accepting of it as just a role, but, you know, later on in my career, I was like, all right, this is my job. This is my role. If I'm going to do it, I might as well be, you know, try and be the best at it. So that's kind of where my, where it kind of took off. Yeah. Because your hands, your hands and using the stick was probably not, you realize that that was not necessarily where your forte was. Right. So you see me skate and handle puck, so you can understand. Uh, no, you you've done. Fine. <laughs> I had to find a, I had to find a different niche. What is your role as an enforcer? Well, my role as an enforcer, I was kind of like the, uh, I guess, you know, the policeman with a little more teeth. Um, you know, I I tried to keep the playing field even and and make sure that liberties weren't taken on my teammates. And I mean, you know, just protecting my teammates and being there if, if uh, the rough stuff happened, I was the first guy in. Or the second, you know, watching people's backs and just making sure that, um, you know, the playing field was even and, and maybe a little bit tilted in our favor. Um, you know, it was 90% uh, mental and and 10% physical. Uh, Dan Balsma actually told me that one. And I was like, that's, that's, if I'm doing that, then I must be doing something right. So, so, so did every back in those days in the, in the Western Hockey League in Canada, which was a really, really rough league, especially because we're talking about what, what time period were you in the WHL juniors? Uh, I was in there in 98 to 2000. So that was 90. 97, 96, like in that time frame, 96, 97 to 2000, 2001 type thing. And, and how old are you then? Uh, I'll be 42 here in August. Don't remind me. No, no, me. no. Back, back when you were. Uh, <laughs> oh, back. I back was uh, 17. Yeah. Uh, 16, 17. And I played till I was, uh, I got cut when I was 20, but I played, uh, I played in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League as a yeah. 20 year old. So. so, so, and I think that's a good perspective here. And, the so so you're protecting your teammates and specifically then the, the skilled guys that are that are maybe not six six to something 240 right what was your playing weight uh, i was trying to play around two i was trying to keep it in between 250 and 260 if i got yeah. north of 260 i was too heavy and if i got well not very often i got south of 250 so yeah. <laughs> i played around 255 and a pretty, pretty, pretty big wide wingspan as well. So, right. so the other team then the risk is really um, the other team's enforcer, right? Usually, yeah. So every team has someone in the Western Hockey League back in those days. Every team has one or two big guys. Back when I played, there was, yeah, there was pretty much the whole fourth line could throw down so there's a few yeah. guys <laughs> yeah so and if something went down you knew that you're going to have to face it you're the ones going to have to go out and uh drop the gloves the back in those days would you uh take your helmet off or would that be uh leave leaving it on uh we had visors so we took them off okay I don't know if I condone that but it was uh, <laughs> yeah it was usually it was buckets off 
So, all right, buckets off, gloves are off, and it's um, it's free for all fighting. What comes into your? I mean, is that did, does fear come in, or do you respect the risk of getting beat up and getting your teeth knocked out and your nose broken and jaw broken? Or well, those things definitely come into play. Um, it, it's <laughs> I don't know necessarily if I was looking at it as a risk back in those days. Um, probably, you know, the inexperience um, played a factor. Yeah. Uh, you know, the unknowns, um, obviously, you know, nobody really knew concussions, you know, type stuff like that. Yeah. Nobody really knew exactly what those were to the extent that they are today. Um, but I mean, Honestly, I probably wouldn't have changed anything as far as the way I played. I, you know, I, I uh, my my risk was was leaving it, you know, to help the guys win. That was my, you know, um, risk. I didn't really take enough into, you know, my personal health necessarily. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, maybe I should probably a little bit more, but <clears throat> that's something. That, uh, you know, as you get older, um, you know, you're dependent on by your family. And so you're a little bit more selective, maybe. Uh, some guys, you know, they're they're letting it all eat. They do whatever they do all the time, no matter what. And uh, for me, it was when I kind of started getting better at my craft, I kind of developed a, uh, um, you know, a personal didn't matter really who you were I kind of it was almost like a uh I hate using this analogy but like kind of like the water boy uh movie uh, you know I kind of bottled it all up and and you know it took it personal that these guys are trying to fight me uh and take try to take food off my table for my kids yeah and that's kind of where I you know had to focus my attention and, and, and because I was not a mad I never fight mad yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not volatile in that sense. Like I'm a pretty easygoing guy until you cross. You know, when I was playing, until you cross me or you do something dumb. So it was hard for me to to get going. And usually I was you know, catching a few off the side of the head before I'd start getting going. You know, before I start fighting, which you know probably wasn't the greatest risk versus reward. And it's interesting that you say that that you that the 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 risk that you were also contemplating was the risk of not performing well and then losing in the game or if you didn't do well someone else is going to take your your spot in as and as a professional hockey player that was your living that you were making not in the juniors but but then later on as a professional hockey player yeah and i mean that was kind of the thing is is if you there was only a few of us select guys that never going to make it. And I sure shit, pardon me. I sure shoot didn't think I'd ever make it as a, you know, in the NHL. And, and, you know, my thing was, uh, I got an opportunity and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was all or nothing. I went to, I signed a deal with uh, Providence and it wasn't the greatest contract. And, but the, you know, so I was risking that to go play, 
for not the greatest contract, but the opportunity to have a skills coach and have a, you know, a, a fight coach per se, you know, hone my craft. And for me, that was the, that was a turning point of, of my career is, you know, I had a skills guy, both, you know, the fighting aspect and then the, the skating and, and, and hockey side. And that was where my career took off. And, and that's where I signed my first NHL, uh, legit NHL contract. So yeah. that was kind of, that was, that was, like I said, it was a blessing in disguise. How quickly do you, uh, did you figure that out that, Hey, I got to get better or I'm not going to stick around here very long. Well, actually it's kind of ironic. It took me quite a while. It took me until yeah. I was 20. Um, you know, I always wanted to get better. I, I mean, you know, just like anything, you go work at your craft. Um, but having the direction, that's the biggest thing. Go out there and, you know, spin your tires as long as you want. But if you don't have any traction, if you don't have, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. And for me, um, you know, the opportunity to, to work with, uh, you know, Paul Vincent and, and Doug Smith, um, you know, that was like they purpose. They worked with everybody else, but I was kind of singled out as they, you know, I was the problem, not the problem child, but I was the, I was the special, special one. <laughs> but that's they also so that's interesting. So why, why did you, or why did you, did you seek them out, or did they seek you out? They they sought me. Out. Like uh, I was playing hockey, and well, <laughs> long story short. So I ended up in Charlotte playing for the Checkers, signed by Hartford, who, you know, was the farm team for the Rangers. And that's how I ended up in North Carolina. So they put out my contract. I think I signed one or two contracts with them. They tried to sign me to do a third one. Uh, they wanted me to on a two-way with Hartford, and I said, kick rocks. I said, there's no way that I'm making, you know, uh, less than what I was going to make the, year, the years previous. So I told them to kick rocks. And they said, well, you know what? My agent actually uh, fired me, if you can believe that. But I was like, well, I said, you do what you got to do. I said, I'm not signing, you know, you can have as many players you want. I said, on that team, I said, I'm not signing. I said, it's a, you know, it's a crappy deal on my part. And last I heard, you know, you were supposed to be representing me, not them. So I got rid of him or he got rid of me, whatever. And I actually ended up, uh, I I think oh, I wasn't really going to play. And I ended up going to Quad City, Illinois, um, played in the UHL there. And I got called up. Providence ended up, they wanted to call me up. And this is three months. I Well, I, I went to Muskegee, or pardon me, in Muskegee, in Quad City. And I just, I was homesick. I was missing my kid. And, and uh, long story short, the risk versus reward wasn't very, wasn't very good. I wanted yep. to be home with my, and I just was like, you know what? Um, I just don't want to do this. So I ended up going home for three months and I ended up coming back, you know, my dad and, and one of the more successful farmers around the area, uh, I hadn't been home for Christmas in like six, seven years. And, uh, I came home for Christmas and, and my mom or woman, my mom and dad and I talked about it and my dad talked about it to me. And then my dad and then, uh, Mr. Thiessen, um, they talked to me about it and they said, you know, don't quit on somebody else's, you know, don't quit because somebody else quit on, you know, if, if you're going to be done, be done on your terms. And, and, uh, so I never really, you know, be done. And, and what that means is, you know, 
a lot of times guys quit too early and they, they wondered why, well, you know, if I just would have done this, if I would have just done that, or, you know, they quit at the, at, you know, just when they can't see the top of the mountain and it's just like one more step and then we're at the summit, but you know, they don't, they quit and they don't realize that for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to go back to quad city and just play the season out and let the cards fall where they may. So long story short, we uh, were playing and I got a call from, uh, or my coach got a call from Providence and Providence wanted to, you know, hire me, come up, play some games. And of course I knew what was going to happen. You know, I was, I was fighting a little bit and they needed, there might've been a little softer that year. I said, listen, I said, this is a deal. I said, uh, <laughs> if you guys want me, I said, invite me to camp next year and I'll come play. I said, I've, I've quit on my teammates this year. I said, I'm not going to walk away from them again this year. So I stuck it out in, in uh, Quad City and, and uh, I uh, played the rest of the year. Well, summer comes and goes and, and uh, well, actually toward the end of the summer, fall, right, kind of in that, you know, training camp, two weeks before training camp, lo and behold, Providence calls me up and said, hey, we'd like to have you come to camp. I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. I said, uh, had all summer. And all of a sudden you want me to come. I said, I told him, I said, listen, I said, I've been skating. I said, I haven't been working out. I said, I just got married. You know, life's good. I'm fat and happy and, and life's good. And, you know, I was on kind of the retirement kick. And uh, so Scotty Gordon, he's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Come to camp, you know, skate, work out, do as much as you can get done within two weeks. Well, there's not much you can do in two weeks. Other than, you know, hope and pray for the best. But that being said, went into camp and and uh, Mr. V comes up and, and he's skating beside me and he says, hey, Mac, how you doing? I said, oh, pretty good, Mr. V. You know, we kind of hit it off. And, of course, I was a little bit leery of him. I really didn't know what to expect. And, and uh, you know, from then on, we just kind of developed a friendship. And, you know, he took me aside and, and – uh, you know, told me, he said, you know, half, I'll work with you half hour before and half hour after. And, you know, the minute that you're not there or late or whatever, that's, you know, that's the end of our relationship. So faithfully, I stuck with him the whole year while well, he stuck with me the whole year. And there was days where, you know, I was wanting to crush my stick in the sawdust because I was so angry and frustrated because I mean, it's something that you grew up doing, but you throw a little twist in it. And then it's like, gosh, darn, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm having, I'm not, not that I can't do it. It's just, I have to reprogram my way of thinking and, and the way I do things. And, and for Mr. V, he took what I had and he didn't blow it up entirely, but he learned how to, he, he learned how to teach me to where I could benefit, you know, from, from him. Like he took <clears throat> he asked me, he said, what do you like to do, Macker? What do you, what do you, what do you do for fun? I said, well, Mr. V, I love to rope. You know, I grew up riding in rope. So he went back and within probably a week, he had, he had come back and changed the way he taught me to relate towards riding and roping. And it was just like, you know, as soon as he, well, first of all, the fact that he did that, he changed his way of teaching tells you what kind of guy he is. Like he's, you know, he's, he's for his students. 
And th this so, is Paul Vincent, right? Paul Vincent, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, probably one of them, you know, my very, like, I consider him family. Like, he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's the reason why I had a sniff in the NHL. Him and Doug, Doug, Doug Smith, like, you know, if it wasn't for those two guys, I wouldn't have had a chance. But, uh, but yeah, he, he was, he was teaching me how to skate. And he's like, Maka, he said, do you ride a horse like this? No, Mr. V. How do you ride a horse, Maka? So I'd show him. He said, what's the difference between that and skating? I was like, oh, that's a good point. He said, Maka, when you're, when you're roping a steer, you know, where have you got your hands? I said, well, you got hands out in front of you. Well, Maka, how, how are you handling the puck? Well, you got to have your hands out in front of you. Well, why don't you have your hands out in front of you? And it was just like, ah, you know, so. And <laughs> Paul was the, Paul Vincent wasn't necessarily uh, known for his own skating skills, right? No. And that's the thing. Like he, he, he wasn't, but he was such a student of the game. Like he was a genius in that regard. Like he, he, he's amazing. Like, yeah, he's just absolutely amazing, man. Yeah. And like I said, I'm so thankful to have met him and, and like Doug too, like, you know, for them to come down and take the time out of their day to come down and help me. And, and, you know, out of respect, you, you, you know, you give it your all, like, you don't just going to go through the motions because them guys will sniff it out. And Mr. V, <laughs> he sniffed out, you know, it would be skills day and, and some guys would be kind of going through the motions and he'd absolutely lose his marbles. Like just, you know, he's this little, you know, a little older, gentleman that uh has the like he has zero patience for for uh you know which like i said it's 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 kind of funny in a way because he when he loses his marbles he loses his marbles <laughs> now what about doug smith so doug was helping you more on the fighting side yeah doug like he was a he's a cop in in massachusetts there and and he just like i said he took what he was a he was a, a tough guy like he played the role and but he was a, a boxer and he, he developed his own style and he helped guys. He was a student of the game as far as, you know, like I, I love watching boxing. Like I enjoy it. It's a, I'd rather watch that than MMA um, because yeah. it's instead of a free for all, it's, and I'm not, no disrespect to those guys, but um, boxing to me, is like a chess match. It's, it's a, you know, they're, it's, it's a, it's a game of, of uh advantages and angles and 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 it's no different with mma but you know it's just so I, I to me i i enjoy it a little bit more um and, and doug was a boxer and and i always wanted to learn how to box just out of hand speed and, and exercise and stuff like that but uh um doug took took what i had which was my size and strength and he uh you know helped me develop a, a pretty good job that that I could get to where guys had come in and I could hit them at the end of the job and kind of stun them and just kind of um, go from there. And, and then obviously having my balance, um, I didn't necessarily have the best balance skating or taking a hit or giving a hit, but I felt like uh, when we were in a fight, there's not very many times where I fell down or, or got drugged down. I was usually either the one dragging or um, I was not a, you know, I wasn't a, I never banana peeled and I never went down on purpose. Um, you know, I, I stood in there. It didn't matter how tough you were, how tough the guy was. We stood in there and 
you know, that was kind of the risk versus reward. It's like, okay, I'm going to take one to give one or take two or three to give (laughs) one good one. And, you know, that was kind of the, the thought process, if there was such a thing as a thought process, but, uh, so, um, so how long did you, let's talk a little bit about your training period. How, so how much, how much, all right. You, you mentioned with, with Paul Vincent, you, you spend 30 minutes every day before and after practice. Uh, those hours adds up uh, oh, yeah. what about with Doug Smith. How, how much time did you put in, in it was, honing your craft? It was uh, about the same. Like, you know, he worked shift work, so he wasn't able to come out all the time. Um, but when he did, uh, you know, it was usually on work days, like Mondays, you know, we'd have Sundays off. We'd play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'd have Monday off. Then we'd go back to work Tuesday. Um, you know, usually Tuesday, you know, we'd do some conditioning of some sort and the guys would skate and I would work with Doug. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it, it, you know, my own conditioning, you know, skating and I was getting conditioning from, from Doug and, uh, you know, just from like the guys that they'd go down and back and I'd have to do 60 seconds hitting the pads with Doug, like just bang, 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 you know? And so he was uh, actually, he was there at the rink. You weren't going yeah, to hit him. Yeah. No, he was, he'd come to the rink and, and, we'd wrestle and and he had the focus pads and you know we'd be doing different combinations and just different edge work um believe it or not like they it all tied into each other like you know the work i did with mr v and the work i did with doug like it just made me a better my balance was so much better excuse me i was able to use my edges more yeah Um, i was more stable and and i kind of got to develop a instead of just using my arms and my upper body, you know, for, for fighting, I could use my hips and, and get everything into it. And I mean, it's, it's hard enough to, to be good on ice, but once you kind of put everything together, you know, it just kind of, you know, go from there and, and, and you're able to, my theory was, you know, I wanted to hit the guy so hard that he never wanted to fight me again. Yeah. And, for the most part, um, you know, I was fairly successful with that, whether well, that's and, good or bad. And I think that's the kind of where I wanted to end up with the hockey conversation was was really, you know, you can't get there um, by accident, right? It takes a lot of hard work and oh. and, uh, and and it takes purpose and, and having a goal and having a desire. And then you got to put it into into action. And the action for you was putting in the work in training in practicing. And then you went and executed in the games and you ended up as, you know, when we're talking about high performers, that was, I mean, splitting hair with different people that you talked to about who was the best and who was the most feared, but you definitely are in that conversation when it comes to, um, being a high perform ultra high performer in that game and that like you know i've i've actually i'm very flattered that people would put me in that uh um category but i mean i did like there's your sydney crosby's and then there's your there's your bob proberts and and uh ty domi's and you know cam jansen's and you know Donald brian Mc- Donald Brashear, murray mcsorley's all those guys are in the mix and 
uh, you know, to be able to be put in that category for the amount of time that I was, you know, uh, played in the NHL. Uh, that's, you know, that's some pretty, uh, I'm rubbing shoulders, some pretty legendary guys. So. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's switch into the second bucket and, and third bucket. Maybe we can combine them a little bit here for sake of time, but um, you've always been a hardworking guy. You've, you've not been afraid of, of, of putting in the work, which I, I would imagine is kind of how you got, how you grew up. Um, but so you, in North Carolina, you, you went ahead and said, I, I want to be a firefighter. Right. Yeah. And, and what, what drew, what drew you to that? Probably the camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, the excitement. Uh, go in, kick ass, takes names kind of mentality. Yeah. But there's certainly, <laughs> but, there's certainly risk in what, what you were dealing with there as well. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like it, I, you know, looking back, I wish I would have retired, uh, you know, you've got a life expectancy as a hockey player yeah. and it's very, and looking back, I maybe should have retired a little earlier, but you know, you always want to hold on and play for one more contract, one more contract. And the last contract I made was probably the best contract I ever had playing the American league. So how do you walk away from that? So, you know, whatever it is, what it is, but, uh, but being a fireman, like I, my, I had such a great, experience and, and with Kernersville fire department and I absolutely loved it. I, you know, the excitement, I think of the unknown is probably the one thing that I miss about it the most. Um, you know, we didn't 90%, 95%, probably 98% of the calls we went on were, uh, you know, uh, EMT calls or, or, you know, we weren't necessarily fire calls or accidents or stuff like that. But I mean, even still you walk into a situation that, you know, you don't know you're risking your health and, and your livelihood. And, and so it's, it is kind of the same, but it's more real world. Well, and I see the parallel in terms of, so it's, it's an interesting thing because when you started that, I would imagine that you didn't necessarily have a background of, of, Fire, fighting fires or responding to medical emergencies coming yeah. out of out of even growing up growing up on a farm or, or or being a professional athlete certainly you had the 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 experience of teamwork and 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 that side but right. you're you're learning now a new craft a new skill that there's not a lot of room for error so how did that you know, when you first, you, you had to go through Academy or had, you, what was the initial training? That was a, well, we, uh, when I retired, um, the PHPA, our union has what they call career enhancement programs is which, uh, the fire, the fire program was one of them. And I thought, you know what, what a better opportunity to, you know, hang out with the boys and, and be a part of a team and be a fireman. And it's, I, like I said, so we ended up doing book work first and then they sent us to Toronto, uh, of where we went to Festi and, um, now what's Festi? It's a fire emergency services training Institute 
in okay. Toronto. So it's a it's a pretty legit school. Um, for a month straight, they put us, they handed us our our uh, you know, they handed us our butts every day. So I loved it. Uh, as much as the other guys, there were 13 of us guys, or 12 of us hockey players, and then there was one lady that she was a captain that she had to go back through it. So I felt bad for her because we're all these, there's 12 hockey players, and we were absolutely just going hardcore. And this lady, you know, she was, she got some dirty looks but from some of the guys. We had to understand, we had to realize that, hey, you know, some, some people, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, but I felt bad for her because, you know, she, she, we did kind of rib her a little bit, but she took it all in stride and she didn't back down. But uh, I, I uh, my hat's off to her. Right. But, uh, but she had to go through to be able to teach the, to the courses. So it was uh, pretty intense. I'm sure that she had some stories to tell afterwards to her, her, the next class and cohorts that says, you're nothing compared to this group. Well, I don't know about that, but she definitely probably definitely had some stories to tell. What, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's awesome. So, but then, yeah. you, but, but then you came back, you got, you, you know, you, you got on with the Kernersville, North Carolina fire department. And now you're, now you're a new professional. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, uh, I'm the new guy. I'm, I'm, what was I? 35, 36 years old, 36 year old rookie on the fire department. And, uh, but you realize I'm sure pretty quick of, all right, all right. I did some training, but if I don't do this well, uh, you know, I want to perform at a high level in this. So how did that go? Well, it's, it's a parallel. Like you, like you said, it's a parallel because, you know, you've got your teammates on the, on the, on the, on the rink or on the ice and then you've got your teammates, you know, in the fire fire hall firehouse and uh for me it was no different like it was such an easy transition um you know there was obviously learning curves and every day you went you learned something new and you know i was green as grass Uh, the first few medical calls i had no idea what i was doing um but you know toward the end of my you know stay in in carnersville um you know and got to be all right i was uh helping I was a senior fire fireman and, and I had a junior that I was teaching. So I was trying to te- not teach him all the bad habits and let him kind of work through some things and, you know, be there to encourage him, uh, encourage yeah. uh, some dumb things and uh, make sure that uh, uh, <laughs> make sure he didn't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's about coaching, right? Well, like I said, sometimes you can coach by, by well, obviously by example, and and sometimes you need to coach and by encouragement, and sometimes you just need to get their face and encouraged by having a personal and and uh, relationship with them, right close, close and personal. So, Coach Vincent style, right? Oh, yeah. it's funny to say that because I mean that's exactly how. I mean, you know, I had to step down from coaching the kids there in hockey because I just, you know, my time. But that's how I looked at it is, is um, you know, you, you can ask and then you can ask a little harder. And by gosh, you better be moving if I have to ask you a third time because there's yeah. all, you know. Well, that's awesome. 
All right, so let's wrap it up by talking a little bit about roping, which I know that it's always been your passion, right? So, so part of okay hockey and then being a firefighter becomes kind of a profession that you choose because you're you're pretty good at it and it and it falls in your lap. But now you're a now you're a. Do you still farm up there with your family? We've got, we've got cows, and that's uh, part of the reason why I came home is yeah, and maybe. Over that, um, Dad's leased all the grain land out, and like I said, we still run about 120 head of cows. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we run uh, we run pairs, and, and we got a bunch of heifers that we kept back last year, and and uh, so it's just I'm just out here watching it rain right now, and there's no better sight. Yeah. But uh, so, so, but now you're into now you're into roping at a at another level. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm four rodeos in and I'm kind of a little bit, well, I'm a lot behind the eight ball, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've went to four rodeos and we pulled a check at, uh, possibly two out of the four. Um, so we're shooting possibly 50%. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, the one thing that I've learned is like, I was always a, a, a catcher, like a jackpot roper. And, you know, I just kind of safety up. I'd lay up. If you're a golfer, I'd lay up instead of go for the gusto and try to, you know, risk it every, everything for the opportunity of, of getting it over the water, I guess, if you're a golfer and you've got a long drive or whatever. Yeah. yeah so, like, so are you a, are you a head, head horse roper or a heel horse? For I'm a, a header. I'm, I'm a, I'm I'm uh, I'm the guy that ropes the horns. The head. Okay, that's impressive. But uh, I know your background. Ah, uh, that's good. That's good. But yeah, it's it's that's what I do, and I'm kind of like the quarterback, um, and the healer is like the receiver. And uh, it, you know, it, and it, like I said, you've got you've got four, five different variables. You've got actually six. Uh, you've got your horse, yourself, the cow your partner's horse, his, you know, your partner, and then you got the barrier and, and the cow. So there's a lot of different variables that, that have to work in, in your favor. And, and when they do, it looks smooth as silk, but you know, I had a little bit of tough luck yesterday and I looked like an absolute gunsel. And, uh, but you know what, it's, uh, that happens and you have to just shake it off and, and regroup and, and go back from it go, you know, keep, keep putting one foot in front of the other. You can't have a high, you can't be too high or too low. You have to make wherever you're at, you have to maintain a, a happy medium. But, but if we, if we draw the parallel here to the hockey story and the firefighter story, and perhaps not as much in, in, in a risk conversation, but, but I think that the, the performance, meaning the activity, the, 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 what you do, to, to play at that level, to perform at that level against the best of the best, you have to put in the work, right? And that's just it. It's like I went from becoming a catcher to now it's like I can go and swing over their back, safety up, and rope them, you know, nine, ten times out of ten. But where you separate the wheat from the chaff is being able to risk it all 
or trying to find that fine line, whether, okay, is it worth risking at all? Or should I, you know, just go get, you know, not try to go for first, but try to go for the average, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, and, and consistently chip away from that. So that's kind of the, the risk reward. If you go for the gusto, you know, you might mess and you might screw up. Like yesterday I had a sweet steer. He was probably the pick of the litter and I scored him out there and I hit the top of my, I either, I can't remember. Well, it was either one or the other. I either hit the barrier rope when it come off or I hit my horse's ears as I was swinging and he'd come up just a little bit and ended up throwing my rope past the steer's left shoulder. Didn't even come close to him. So, and that usually doesn't happen for me. So I can honestly say that. Uh, I don't miss that bad, but uh, it happens. And like I said, you, you, you shake your head and you're pissed off, but you know, tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Nobody, for the most part, nobody, it's not a, it's a risk as far as performance, but it's not a risk. Like we're in the fire department where we've got to go in and help save somebody or, you know, you're protecting your teammates, you're risking yourself to protect your teammates. It's a little bit different, but as far as, it's more of a finesse game rather than a brute force. Yeah. Which, like I said, if I'm a if I'm a, a, a an instrument, I'd be a sledgehammer. I wouldn't be a <laughs> per se. I, I think that I've I've seen I've seen you ride and I've seen you throw a rope and and it's it's a pretty impressive uh, sledgehammer if I if I've ever <laughs> seen one. So, but I but I do think that it's a to kind of wrap it up here. It's 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 a you're not going to get to the level where you are without a having talent, but B the most important, important part is, is, is the, the passion and the goal and then the, the work that you put into it. And I think that there's no shortcuts, right? Whatever, if you want to perform high, be a high performer in whatever game that you play. um, And it could be, man, I'm, I'm driving a, a big rig. I'm, 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 I'm a construction foreman. I am, you know, a new guy on a new job. In order to perform at a high level, you have to put in the work and you're not going to get it, uh, the shortcuts, right? Well, that's just it. You know, you can control two things. You can control your attitude and your work ethic. And, you know, uh, guys that came in with a piss poor attitude, they got shuffled down the line pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. But if you know, and, and even when it comes to rope, and even, you know, that, like, you know, if I didn't, I mean, I don't know everything, but I'm also not afraid to go ask questions. And I don't care how old you are, who you are, whatever. Uh, you know, these young up and coming guys, I mean, they're freaking gunslingers. Yeah. But I ask them, be like, hey, you know, what, what do you do here? What, what, you know, and I think that's the biggest difference if it is if you're, if you're humble enough to ask people for help and realize that, okay, these are my limitations. Um, you know, like I said, people are willing to help you and it's matter of, you know, you humbling yourself to, to ask for, for help. And, and, uh, like for Mr. Well, Mr. V helped me, you know, Doug Smith helped me and I put the work in and now, you know, we've become lifelong friends because of the work that we both put in and the opportunity given me. And it's no different if you're open or working or golfing or whatever, it's, it comes down to work ethic and, and attitude to, um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take no for an answer and, and you're going to keep pushing. So, well, maybe, uh, maybe soon, uh, sooner than later, uh, it's going to be Mr. M, uh, 
and and Mr. McIntyre and and you're going to be that that coach. I know you already are. You're you're teaching others and 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 it rubs off uh, uh, in in so many ways. So I I uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate the time today and uh, good catch up. And uh, if you're ever back down here in the in the North Carolina area, or if you want to head on over to Sweden with me, then uh, we can, they're not used to roping cows over there. They they're they're much nicer. <laughs> so good to catch like, up it was a good catch up with you too all right thanks buddy see ya you